Now we are joined by the president and CEO of the Better Government Association, David Greising, and our own Jim Leach for full disclosure where we have an ethics discussion today. Hey, you know, this is unusual today. We're going to be pretty much spending the entire half hour on one topic, but it's a very important topic, and it's right in the wheelhouse of the Better Government Association trying to make government more transparent, uh, more honest, more responsive to its people rather than just to the special interests. We've been hearing this debated for uh, months now down at the State House, and nothing really getting done on it. Now the BGA is stepping forward with its own agenda of proposals uh, to address the ethics problem. It's a very real problem here in the state of Illinois. David Greising, this has just been rolled out in the last several hours, so walk us uh, through it briefly. Right. Uh, we've looked at some really good work that is being done across the state with regard to ethics reform, but we feel that the efforts so far uh, need to go further. They need to be more comprehensive. They need to take into account all of the history of corruption in the state of Illinois. And so while all uh, most most everybody who's been calling for reform has talked about the need for reforming lobbying, conflicts of interest, legislative oversight, and checks on the consolidation of power. The BGA has drilled down into more detail. For example, on lobbyists, um, we're the first to call for a broadened definition of lobbying. We've seen, for example, in the Commonwealth Edison case, that it's not just people who are paid as lobbyists, but others who are paid as like consultants or strategic advisors as a workaround by which corrupt uh, people, if they choose, can uh, seek to influence legislation. And so we're calling for an expanded definition of lobbyists. Likewise, we call for deeper reforms as regards those other areas, conflicts of interest. Uh, the, we, we call for greater independence of the state in legislative inspector general. Today, the legislative inspector general is very limited. Whatever they do, whatever they report, whatever findings they have, have to be cleared by the very people the, the inspector general is supposed to be investigating. So uh, that has led to a toothless uh, um, uh, law enforcer, uh, and we, and that the legislative inspector general needs significantly more power. We, we want to delve a little bit more deeply into the particulars of the BGA proposal, but maybe we should we should start uh, by back tracking a little bit. Obviously, this is front and center right now because there's an ongoing federal investigation involving Commonwealth Edison, which has acknowledged that it has sought to curry favor uh, with public official A, uh, better known as House Speaker Mike Madigan, uh, with uh, jobs and favors and money uh, to Madigan insiders. Uh, so far, nothing uh, has landed directly in the Speaker's lap on this, but it is definitely uh, swirling all around him. But that, of course, has not been the only uh, corruption probe involving current sitting active Illinois lawmakers. Uh, and, and David, this is really nothing new in Illinois, but just the sheer number of these cases in a short period of time uh, is a little bit breathtaking. Well, by our count, eight elected officials across the state have been uh, uh, charged or pled guilty uh, to crimes under just under this recent uh, public corruption investigation that is still ongoing. And as you say, uh, the comment settlement specifically pointed to Mike Madigan as a person of interest, although not na not using his name in that charge. And so um, that's the problem. That's that's why we and other groups good government groups are looking at this and saying we need some structural reform here and what we what we're concerned about is that there has been a uh, uh 
a joint uh, ethics commission established. It was supposed to report by the end of March and was unable to do so. It's expected to report sometime between now and the veto session. We're worried about half measures of reform because we've seen that show all too often in Illinois. After some sort of scandal, there's sort of a quick Band-Aid fix and nothing comprehensive that actually gets at the root of the problem. And this approach that we're taking is a comprehensive reform that we think will make structural change that will help eliminate Illinois' reputation as one of the most, if not the most, corrupt state in the union. You know, David, the the, the question I think uh, keeps uh, recurring to a lot of people is, is simply this. Uh, just given the fact we have seen indictments, we have seen convictions, we have seen or expect to see guilty pleas, the actions of these lawmakers already violate the law. Uh, so will additional laws actually do anything if people are willing to just flout the rules, thumb their nose at uh, not just the legality, but the propriety, the, the morality of it all? Uh, does, does it make a difference if we add more rules and more, more restrictions when there's so many people who are willing to just ignore them? The lines right now are too fuzzy, and they allow for temptations for elected office holders and for people who most recently have just left office. You can go to work as a lobbyist the day after you leave office under the current law and rules, and that is reprehensible. It is a revolving door that has bred the kind of corruption that we're talking about. We're calling for a two-year cooling-off period before a former elected official uh, public office holder can uh, serve as a lobbyist. Nobody wakes up, well, very few people wake up in the morning thinking, I'm going to be corrupt today. It happens incrementally. It happens within a culture that allows for questionable conduct with which the rules are flexible or the enforcement of the rules are uh, negligible or, or inconsistent. And what we hope is that by making the rules clearer and making the rules much more uh, stringent, that it changes the culture and that leads to the kind of reform of behavior. You're right, there will always be criminal elements somewhere, but we're hoping that the that changes like those that we're proposing will change the culture. And so criminal behavior or, or even borderline behavior would no longer be tolerated. Talking with David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. It's full disclosure here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, David, I want to walk through each one of these uh, areas real briefly. There's a lot of detail to them, so we'll just kind of do an overview on it. The first area, as you've already talked about, is lobbying, and specifically a ban on lobbying by legislators. Uh, can, can you quantify this for us? How common is it that elected officials, Illinois lawmakers, are actually lobbying for the interests of, of paying clients uh, to try to get legislation passed in the general assembly. Well, uh, the lobbying goes both ways. Both uh, elected officials from across the state show up in Springfield and lobby the state legislature. And likewise, state lawmakers can lobby other governments. We've seen the city of Chicago in the wake of this uh, public corruption and scandal outlaw um, lobbying by other elected officials. But that's the exception, not the rule in the state of Illinois. And what we want to cut off is that the state house, the state general assembly being a breeding ground for lobbyists that then travel across the state to represent uh, interests with other governments. Clearly, there's a huge conflict there. The State General Assembly has control over the purse strings of many aspects of local governments. And so when somebody from the legislature shows up as a lobbyist with a local government, 
Um, they they have an, an inordinate amount of power, and that's why the corporate interests and others are so willing to pay them a rich price in order to do their bidding, and we want to bring an end to that. You also talk about expanded lobbyist disclosure requirements. What would you like to see disclosed that isn't being disclosed now? Well, they're not disclosing their pay, for starters. Um, there are general kind of uh, – there's just no detailed information about – who's paying them what in order to do their bidding. And we feel like that information ought to be disclosed. And that gets us into conflicts of interest. And you do call for enhanced statements of economic interest that would reveal more uh, of those sorts of financial influences on elected officials. Uh, there's also uh, the reference in, in the package from the BGA to explicit and enforceable rules about disclosure of conflicts and recusal. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess I'd always believe that these lines were fairly clear that if you have a direct interest in something, you're not supposed to be voting on it in the General Assembly. Uh, you're suggesting these lines are really pretty muddy and murky. Not only are they muddy and murky, but there's really no enforcement mechanism. So if somebody exercises bad judgment with regard to conflicts of interest, there is no independent way to assess that they have done so and to enforce and penalize them for doing so. And so we're calling for a much more muscular approach to limiting conflicts of interest. Uh, we've already talked about the legislative oversight and having more teeth for the legislative inspector general, uh, revamping the legislative ethics commission so that lawmakers are, are better able to police themselves. Uh, also calling for mandatory publishing of founded reports of misconduct. So right now, if it's uh, pretty evident that a lawmaker has engaged in some shady business, we don't necessarily always know that. No, we don't. In fact, we saw earlier this year there was a case in which uh, a founded report was not published. And so we will never know for certain what that lawmaker what lawmaker was uh, investigated and what the findings were. There were findings, but we, as the great unwashed public, have no right, no access to that information. That has to come to a stop. That is the very epitome of a lack of transparency in government. And finally, checks on consolidation of power. Term limits for legislative leaders has been talked about for a long time. Fair redistricting, uh, again, a pretty common uh, issue. Uh, special elections for legislative vacancies. This is interesting because we've seen lawmakers get in hot water, finally feel the pressure to get out, but then wind up ha having, at least indirectly, some hand in appointing their replacement. You want to take the appointment process out of it entirely. Absolutely. This is one of the most bizarre and craven aspects of our government that sometimes we've seen just in the last year or so that that we have uh, we've had somebody who's under investigation who is basically uh, handpicking their successor. They needed to step down, but their successor, they had a role in handpicking their successor. That just can't happen. That is actually a reward to somebody who breaks the law or is accused of breaking the law by giving them a say in who their successor might be. We want the public to have a right to vote in a new uh, representative in a special election. It's not that difficult to hold a special election. And the people who have been robbed of good service by one representative ought not to be bothered by that person when it comes to selecting uh, their replacement. 
We're going to talk about the prospects of whether such a comprehensive ethics plan can go anywhere in this General Assembly. We'll get into that in just a moment as we continue here. It's full disclosure with the Better Government Association. Only a couple of minutes left here. And uh, the big question with this comprehensive ethics reform plan being rolled out today by the Better Government Association, Republicans have been demanding ethics reform, perhaps not this sweeping. Democrats have been saying, yeah, we're, we're okay. We, we can get around to this when we get around to it, veto session or whenever. Uh, and there's never been much appetite for the kinds of ethics reforms that could really I- inhibit everybody under the dome from some of their favorite activities. So how likely is it you can get anything uh, resembling this package approved by lawmakers? Well, with the current political makeup, it's not likely that something this sweeping will happen uh, during, say, for example, the veto session. We're not pushing for that. We think this is a longer game, and we think uh, comprehensive reform needs to happen over time. We think the next legislature uh, will need to pick up large measures here of our plan as well as other plans that are floating out there. Uh, The Joint Commission on Ethics Reform is going to come out with its report uh, based on the hearings they've held so far. It looks like that's going to be relatively constrained. There's a separate process in which the Republicans are actually investigating Speaker Madigan and his uh, alleged misdeeds as laid out in the Commonwealth Edison plea agreement. And so there will be pressures Uh, that come to bear. And really what happens at the polls on November 3rd is going to tell us something as well. If we have reform-minded lawmakers elected, and if ethics reform is an issue in those uh, the next few weeks of campaigning, that will add more impetus. So this is not something, we're not saying this needs to be done by December 31st. It would be great if Governor Pritzker would call a special session. There have been many that have called for that, both Democrats and Republicans, but Governor Pritzker has been satisfied to just let this play out in the veto session. That's a, a an unfortunate and a lack of leadership on the governor's part, part, but that's the way it is. It doesn't look like he's going to change, and so we need to be in the long game on this for now. We're out of time. Uh, BetterGov.org to read all about their plan, and we'll see how this progresses in the weeks and months ahead. David, thanks. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.